0: All right, everybody, we are uh, back for another episode of Demand Excellence. Our topic today is seven-on-seven, seven, and, and my thought is it's necessary, but um, it isn't football, but it's necessary. And I got my defense coordinator on today, Brett Collier, and we have Coach Dudley on today. And so I was telling Coach Dudley, and he and he sent back that we should title it seven-on-seven, seven. it brings out the worst in me. And, uh, and so – But what I want to talk about is, you know, at the end of the day, we all do it because we know that it's necessary. But I think every single coach I've ever talked to doesn't like it. Um, So, Coach Dudley, you've been coaching the longest. Talk to – tell the listeners what it is. What is 7-on-7 and what value do you think 7-on-7 brings to the table?
1: All right. Well, to me, seven on seven is still a football drill. It is football without the offensive and defensive lines. It's the passing game. Uh, you're working. your receivers. And I was telling my coaches this morning, it's actually six on seven, um, unless you count the center on the offense as, a, as a, a valid and viable opponent. So the defense has some numerical advantages. But you take the line of scrimmage out of the drill. And then there's been a whole industry now that's developed up out of seven on seven, um, with tournaments, high school teams, internet with all-star teams. Um, and it is, it's a good, good little game and it's fun to watch, but it is truly not football. And because there's no pass rush, there's no pressure for the quarterback. And I'll be the first to admit it brings out the worst in me. The the four seconds to throw the football, you've got somebody's uh, child or athletic trainer or equipment manager holding a stopwatch, and they may or may not pay enough attention to punch it, and you get four seconds to get a pass off. We haven't been able to protect our quarterback for four seconds <laughs> in the last 15 or 20 years. I don't know about anybody else out there, but it does um, – serve a very valuable purpose and I love it and I'll let Brett talk more about it but I love it from a defensive standpoint because you can't get that many reps that many different formations that much work uh, just going with yourself there's just no way so a seven on seven a day uh, an afternoon whatever with another team is really really valuable
2: I agree, Coach. You know, we went up to University of Georgia yesterday. They do a good job, and they have a big one. And uh, But I'm like you. I find myself in the middle of it just infuriated and enraged when uh, when we're getting beaten a 7-on-7. And we're probably the only team in America just sitting back playing cover three in 7-on-7. But that's what we do in real life. And I think, you know, the prop- the mistake we make as coaches is we're so competitive and we want to win, and we're guilty of it. We did it yesterday, you know. We're guilty of, you know, in a critical situation, jumping in a coverage that we know we're not going to run in the season. But, you know, in the season we'll be 80, 80% cover three in the season. And uh, we work it in seven-on-seven, seven, but then we get so competitive, we get so caught up in winning the seven-on-seven seven game that we start doing things that we may not really do in the season. and And that's the frustration. And, you know, I found myself yesterday sitting there – Yell like, like you just said, yelling at an official about four seconds. And afterwards, I went up and I made myself apologize because it's just so dumb to argue over something like that. But, you know, we get into it. And I think that's our fault. And I think all that overflows into our kids. And they get, uh, you know, upset in these intense situations. And they, you know, make it something that is not. And, Coach, I, and I'm going to pass this off to Coach Guest in a minute. But I think something that we need to talk about, too, and you just brought it up, is that there's a whole industry made now around 7-on-7. And at some point, a lot of our kids have been told a lie that they're going to be recruited through 7-on-7. And like Coach said, he's never met a high school coach that likes 7-on-7. I've never met a college coach that says they recruit off 7-on-7 teams. You know, that doesn't exist. But in some way, our kids are being told that lie and they're believing it, and they're paying to go be a part of these teams. Um, for recruiting purposes.
0: What do you think, Coach
2: Dudley?
1: Well, I think a couple of things, and and Brett and I are kind of probably cut from the same cloth about 40 years apart. I'm very competitive, and so it does breed situations where the coach can act a fool at a seven-on-seven. There's another thing, and we're talking negatives, and we're going to roll back around and talk the positives of it in a minute, but the kids put a lot of undue pressure on themselves to perform. Uh, and a lot of times it's, it's an artificial environment. There are no play action passes. I don't know about you guys. Well, I do know about you guys because I think y'all beat us 10 times in three years when I was coaching at Wesley. But a lot of your big plays come off of play action. They come off of drawing safeties and linebackers into the run play, and then you get a shot over the top. Well, that doesn't exist in 7-on-7. Linebackers are backpedaling. My dear friend Keith Malouf, when we go against them at Norcross High School, a very top-level, top-10 program in the state of Georgia every year, their middle linebacker might be at nine yards. (laughs) You know, he's playing the – He's lined up in Tampa, too. He's not just playing it. He's already back there. And you're
2: right, but the kid just, knows that. You know, the kid knows yeah. this. He knows he's going to line up at eight yards because he knows you're not running the ball. So you can't blame the kid. It's,
1: no, I, I don't blame anybody. It's just a thing right. that can get very frustrating. Um, and the awesome of all of this is players get to develop. There's not the contact. Um, They get reps against another team's offense that they won't see from your offense. There's so many positives to it. It's like anything. Coaches in general take stuff too far. If if players were left to their own devices, they would pick the best kid, and he would be the tailback. They would cooperate. They would realize that the the guys that look like Ed Dudley, maybe they're not good athletes. That guy's going to be the left guard. (laughs) <laughs> and guess and is going to be the center, but the great athlete, we're going to put him at tailback because he's going to touch the ball much. Right. So coaches get involved in this kind of stuff, and they make it crazy. And outside coaches, now guys that are not faculty members, that are not professional educators, have developed an entire industry of seven one seven and I'm fine with it. But we have to be very clear it's not football. Well, there's no recruiting going on at one of those things. I've never seen – my son did it. I never once saw a college coach at one of those things, ever.
0: Well, you know my theory on the uh, tournament seven-on-seven seven things in the spring, uh, it's kind of a lot like uh, lacrosse. You know, you know if, if, if you can't run track because you're not fast and you're not very coordinated so you can't play baseball, well, you got to find something to do. So, the kids that are playing seven-on-seven – seven, they're not very fast and they're not very coordinated because they don't play baseball. So they're going and doing seven on seven or they're playing the cross. Now I realize there's exceptions to my rule. Um, but you know, not many. Um, so, but, but here, here's the deal. I'm gonna give you guys, uh, my positive take on it because it's, it's, to me, it's your approach or you'll get frustrated. Number one, seven on seven is not football. It's a soft man's, you know, uh, game. It might as well be basketball. So knowing that, I know that seven on seven helps my quarterback and his timing with receivers. And then defensively, it helps us with underst- Our big rule is, Coach Dudley is: don't get beat deep. Don't get it, cover three. You're deep three. Don't get beat deep. Don't get beat deep. Don't get beat deep. Don't get beat deep. So I'm telling him, every, you know, most of the time, first, first down, um, first and 15 for us in seven on seven is really third down. We're going to treat it as third down, third and long. And you're going to be in that scenario right there. But understand, okay, it's not football. So I had a coach yell at me last year, I'm going five wide all the time. Well, you know I don't go five wide. He He yells at me he's like you never go five wide in the real game. I said, "Well, in the real game, I never have to pass on every down." And um <laughs> So, I'm you know what I do? I, you know, if it's 3rd and 10, I'm probably going to do the, the deep comeback with one receiver. I don't even know what the other receivers do, but he's run the comeback. Well, when I when I do passing league, I got five wide receivers and I run the comeback, and I don't know what the other four wide receivers are doing. Um You know, and that's just kind of how I treat it. I am working on stuff that we actually do, but I'm using five receivers just to create space to create my one receiver matchup that I want. It's the same thing I do in real football. I create the run game creates the one-on-one receiver matchup I want to create. Now, but I do, I will tell you all this. I do treat it, it's not football for me, so I just do what I have to do to win. One of my favorite route combinations in seven-on-seven, seven. I prob—I probably will run it 150 times this summer. I've never run it in a real football game. But let me tell you what, it is a money seven-on-seven seven play. And people can say, you're stupid for doing that. Well, I want to win. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care. It's like you said, man, if we're playing pickup basketball, I want to win. So, um that's my take on seven on seven. I don't get too frustrated about it with the referees and stuff like that because, to me, it's not its not football. It's not real. So I don't really care. But I want to win, but I don't really care if we win. Um, and that's kind of my take. Um, I see Brett's writing down over here, what good is it? So, Brett, from a defensive uh, mindset, what what
2: value can you – you know, I, I said a whole bunch of negatives a minute ago. There is value, like Coach Dudley said, there's a lot of value in it defensively. You know, like what do we talk about? Coach said, we don't get beat deep. We have to be lined up perfectly. We have to know our assignment. And for us, you know, we're only running uh, really three different coverages at Elka. And uh, we get a chance to get a lot of reps at all three of them. We get one on uh, one, one on one, man to man reps. We get uh, reps playing cover three, and then another uh, coverage we play called Jordan. We get a lot of reps at it, too. And so it is good working those technical things. And really, I know Coach Dudley said defense has a numerical advantage, and we do have a numerical advantage. But, man, I just think in 7-on-7, the offense should score every time, I think. So, you know, defensively, I feel like it's worst-case scenario, all right? They got four seconds to throw the ball with no pass rush. If we can defend all the routes in in our three coverages and 7 on 7 then I think we're in pretty good shape come game time. Now there's no play action and all that. But the good value is that we just get a ton of reps, like you said, Coach. And I can rotate a lot of kids in and out. So yesterday was our first one. Tomorrow we're going to Auburn. And I'll be able to get more kids in to get more reps. And we get to figure out who can really do what. Can this kid really play outside linebacker for us? Is he athletic enough to play corner? like he says he is. You know, we get to find all those things out in 7-on-7, and in that sense, it is really, really good. What do you think, Coach Dudley? I think I'm all
1: in on it. I mean, I I do believe that the positives outweigh the negatives. Um, What we were talking about initially, I think, is the mental and psychological approach to a 7-on-7. How do we deal with it as a head coach? How do we deal with it as a coordinator or position coach? What are you telling your players as you go into it? And you've got to tell them, hey, the purpose of this is for us to get mass reps. We want to get mass quantities of reps so that uh, when we go back to the field in the fall, we've done a lot of learning. The other thing, it's a great conditioner. The kids are hitting conditioning, and they don't think they are. You don't have to take them to the track and run them. They're just playing football. And then a the third thing is you're working on execution, both offensively and defensively. I think – the positives way outweigh the negatives, but it can be taken too far. I talked to a coach today who had a player transfer from his program because the parents felt that they didn't do enough competitive seven-on-sevens. And I just went, uh, good riddance. I mean, what can what you tell somebody like that? Okay. I mean, It's a drill. Nobody comes in and says you don't do enough inside run, coach. You don't do enough squats. Yeah. Um, but something like that, you know, parents get excited about. It. They can come and watch their kids, and their kids enjoy it. So I'm not anti-7-on-7. Seven seven. I just think that personally, um, I have to really watch my attitude as I go into one of these things and realize that it just is what it is. It's a great football field and a great player developer. Whether you're lining up in five wides and getting those receivers extra work, or you're lining up in your base gun offense, you know, either way, I think I think if you look at it in a positive light, it becomes a positive drill.
0: Right. I think I think this and I'll say the negative um you know, from an offensive standpoint you know, I find a lot of positives in it. I, I love the competition, and, you know, I don't care if their are actual routes we're going to run or not. Brett gets mad if you complete the ball two yards across the center. Well, guess what? The center's not there. So, that's a that's a spot, spot we can throw. And because you are is 15, and like you said, Coach, I want to play action, but I can't play action. So, um, you know, I'm just going to do what I ha- have to do. And so I don't get mad when it's done to me. But here here's where you get offensive coaches, you got to be careful you will make decisions and think that you can do things that you actually cannot do. Like, I know that my favorite seven-on-seven route, besides my, the solo, but my favorite seven-on-seven route, I know that's not something I really want to do in a football game. So I'm not carrying that over with me um, in, into a football game now? Could it be a two-point play for us? um it, Yeah, it could be a two-point play for us in, in real football. But you know, it's not something that we're going to base. At, you know, we're going we're going to run the power. I mean, that's that's kind of what what we're going to base out of. But I, I think coaches can get tripped. You also make personnel decisions that are bad. You know, like we want to play our best players on defense, but seven on seven is an offensive thing. So it makes more sense that all your all your studs are on offense and kind of just be real vanilla on defense. You make some bad decisions there uh, during the summer. So I think, like we're all saying, like seven mm. on seven good. It's healthy. There's a lot of good takeaways from it, but it's not football. You, and, and parents, you know, make, the kid that did that, he probably is a soft kid that can't tackle. So seven on seven is what he's good at. And uh, But we're not looking – I'm not looking for a corner that can't tackle. You know, unfortunately this is high school football. And, and if you find out my corner can't tackle, you're going to figure out how to run the ball at him. Um, so, but coach, we, we've, we talked a lot about seven on seven. I, well, no, I'm before I move on to, I got one subject. It's going to take one second, one minute. I want your thoughts on it, but I'm reading Brett's other question. What is success in seven-on-seven? And uh, I'll let you go first on that one, Coach Dudley. What is success for Coach Dudley in seven-on-seven?
1: All right. I I would define it as several things. Number one, uh, you come away from it healthy. You go back uh, to the locker room with the same number of players you left. I think that's a big part of it. Uh, We talk about that all the time. The most important thing about eighth-grade football is ninth-grade football. We Mm -hmm. want them to keep progressing through the program. So. So we want to come out injury-free. We want to get a lot of players involved. Not everybody's going to be a star. I try to explain that to my team every year. I was never the star of any team I ever played on. Um, And I think you're going to get enough work. I keep talking about mass reps. You're going to get a ton of repetitions on your schemes, both offensive and defensive. And so the kids are going to be learning terminology. They're going to be learning alignment. They're going to be learning motion adjustments. There's so many things you can learn in a seven-on-seven drill. And then they get that sneaky uh, conditioning where they don't know that they're being conditioned, which is one of of the best things about it.
0: Absolutely. What do you
2: think, Brett? No, I agree. And, uh, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking about all the reps you get. And, uh, like Coach said, a lot of reps, a lot of players – come out healthy, I totally agree. You know what would make it a whole lot better is if we did not keep score. Because I'm sitting here thinking about one thing that uh, that is frustrating is when you get beat in a seven-on-seven scoreboard and you want to tell your kids it's okay, but you really don't want to tell your kids it's okay that you got beat. You don't want your kids to be okay with being beat. And so when they're frustrated about losing a seven-on-seven, part of you is happy about that. And the part another part of you says, well, it doesn't really matter you know, it's okay. We're still getting the work we want. So I just think there's a balance there and a fine line of how you have to talk to your players about what is success. And, and I think our kids have a pretty good grip on it about, you know, you know, we got beat, but you know, work harder, let's try to win, but it's not the end of the world if we get, get beat on a seven on seven scoreboard. Well,
0: my mine is, and I think it goes back to communication, which you and I were talking about the other day in our delegation podcast, Coach Dudley, but you just got to communicate to your players what is important and what is not important, what seven-on-seven seven is, what we're trying to accomplish, what we're not trying to accomplish. And, and as long as you communicate that with your players, then, hey, guys, let's go out there and win. Let's compete. Let's get after it. But you got to communicate that to your players. You got to communicate that to your parents. This is what seven-on-seven seven is. I think you got to drive home the fact that, guys, this is not football. This is basketball. And, this, and, and basketball is what you all wish you were playing but you're not tall enough or, you know, you, you're going to get a bigger scholarship in the football world. And this is your chance to play basketball all summer long. And and honestly, Coach Dudley, this is how we get a lot of those basketball players. They love this stuff. And then instead of going and playing basketball all summer long, they want to go to the Georgia 7-on-7 seven seven tournament. That's why I do it, you know. Hey, I'd rather, you know, be doing the uh, power uh, camp. But, you know, the kids, they don't necessarily want to in the power camp all summer long. Um, so that's my thoughts. Now, Coach Delly, I have a question for you. Um, and we're gonna end it on this one. There's a lot of dumb rules in the world, right? Um agreed. <laughs> and I think one of the dumbest rules is, you know, government overreach is uh, you know, they can give me a ticket. I, I'm a seatbelt wearer, my kid's gonna wear a seatbelt, but they can give me a ticket for not wearing my seatbelt. And they got all these commercials telling you to take a seatbelt, but you can, or to, to wear a seatbelt, but you can drive a motorcycle and not get a ticket. Makes no sense to me. Um, and then I have, so Georgia high school, you, go, you talk about padded camps. We have all these padded camps and you got to, I don't know if you read the email this morning. There was an email from Georgia high school, about you can only do six days of padded camps, blah, 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 blah. And then, and then right after they start talking about the padded camps and that you can do them, and, but you can't do them for more than two days in a row, something like that, but you can do them for two. Then they start telling you that you can't have full pad practice, official practice, until you have five acclimation days. And I'm just sitting there like, do they not like think about how stupid that sounds? Like, okay, I can go to any padded practice I want in, in the country for two days, but before I start official practice, I have to fi- have five acclimation days.
1: Please, and you're, you know, I know you have. Uh, all right. Can, can I, I, I got, I have a point to make on that one. All right. There, there's a caveat in there where they say you should get five days of acclimation before you go into a padded camp. Also, the reason we, that they passed the five acclimation days, which I'm hundred percent in favor of is because of a study that was done in Texas. And it said that there were, there were no deaths recorded from heat injuries on teams that did five days of acclimation before they went into hardcore practice. There are programs, countrywide, nationwide, for whatever reason, that didn't have the chance to do a lot in the summer. And so what what the GHSA is trying to do uh, is to establish a baseline. Everybody's gotta do five days of light practice before they get into full pads, heavy duty practice mainly because of heat injuries. And, I, you know, when, it, when that rule first came out, I said, that's the because we can go from doing a three-hour workout most days in the summer to now we can only go, uh, what's it now, an hour and a half? We can only go 90 minutes or two hours total. And, you know, it's helmets only. And you have to, you know, take a break every so often. And I think that they did a good thing in establishing this rule for those kids that are playing in programs that maybe they don't have a full-time coaching staff. Um, there are programs even in the state of Georgia where football is a big deal that don't work hard in the summer or don't have great participation in the summer. Maybe their kids are in the fields or, or uh, wherever, In the first day of school they show up and they're ready to play. Well, they have to acclimate. And they found that most deaths, most serious heat injuries were in those first five days of full pads. Once, once a kid's done about five days in full pads, unless they're sick, unless they're totally overpracticed, unless they're dehydrated, I mean, they're pretty safe.
0: See, my take, though, is I agree with the rule. It's kind of like I agree with the seatbelt rule. It just makes no sense that you can drive a motorcycle. Um, on, on the road. I mean, just so easy to die. It
1: makes no sense that you can drive a motorcycle. I mean, let's right. be real. Yeah. You know, that's like, that's, I mean, to take the face mask out of football. That right. makes no sense to me. But like, uh, like,
0: what doesn't make sense to me is, I think it's dangerous that you can do the padded camp and you might have had a kid that hadn't been there for four weeks and then boom, you're going, there is no rule for the padded camp.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that the the other thing, I I really believe that summer, more than anything else, more than the potential for head injuries, anything else, that summer is hurting the numbers of young guys that are playing football today. That The coaches have lost their mind, would go too hard, because once again, anything you allow a coach to put his hands on, he's going to go crazy trying to be the best at it. Right. Trying to trying to work it to death, trying to do more than the other guy. And at some point, there there is no more work to be done. You can't practice 24 hours in a day. It's just not possible. And I think that eventually.
2: The hardest worker, you know, everybody can't be the hardest worker.
1: No, somebody out there has got to be number one. The rest of us have to say, you know, if working hard made you the best, guys working on the side of the road would be the richest men and women in America. And it's just not like that. It doesn't matter how, you gotta work smart. But anyhow, I digress. I'm all in favor of limitations in the summer. I'm all in favor of the acclimation days. And perhaps we need to look at doing them the first week in June, kind of when everybody gets started. That might make more sense. But then the reason why they didn't do that is because there are programs that don't don't work in June. There are coaches that are not at their school in June for their
2: players. Well, so. coach, let me uh, let me ask you this. I uh, I know you are, or earlier you said before we press record, considering doing a padded camp this summer. Um, and just like we talked with Seven on Seven, what are you looking for to get out of that if you do go? Uh, go through with it and and, and what are you kind of expecting from that padded camp? What do you want from your kids and what do you want out of the camp?
1: Okay, so in the past we have not participated in padded camps. This is sort of a new area for us. We're talking about doing one in June and one in July. Um, And I want our players to get better on the line of scrimmage. That was a big area of weakness for us uh, this past year. Particularly the O-line was very young and uh, hopefully they're going to be one year older and one year better. But they need to work. They need to work on the timing, the pad level, the drive, the fit, the finish, all those things that Coach Guest does such a great job of working every day. So we just need a lot of work in that. I think that um, I want us to be able to understand the strengths and weaknesses of our kids from these camps going into preseason because, as you guys know, That preseason time was limited. You
3: have to make some decisions
1: about who's where and what, and get on with it. So that's been the thing that that I'm looking to gain out of it. The other thing is, to be honest, you can't fall too far behind the eight ball because somebody will say, well, at Winder Barrow, they don't even do when you fill in the blank. You know, that's why Coach Dudley had a bad season last year, because they didn't take advantage of these padded camps that are available. So that's that's my thinking going into this one, and I would measure success at that is, is that if we were a little bit improved from spring practice, we can make incremental one step improvement. I'd be happy.
0: Well, Coach, that's uh, that's our time, and what I'll do is when you do the padded camp, we'll do we'll do a we'll do another episode on um, was it worth it. You know, and, of course, you won't really know until I'll- the game has started, but, um, we'll get your take on it because we don't do it. But, uh, Coach, appreciate you being on, and um, if you don't mind, I'll end in prayer. You got any final thoughts, anybody? Enjoyed it. Appreciate
1: it, Coach. Thanks. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for bringing it up, Coach. These things mean the world to me, and it's- I learned from you guys way more than you all learned from me, so – not it's true. been a great thing. Let's pray for everybody's safety over the summer, too, while you're at a case.
0: Yeah, I will. That's a good idea. Let's pray. Lord, we're coming for you today. It's going to praise and thank you for loving us, Lord. First and foremost, we praise and thank you for your uh, son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins so that we may have eternal life. and. Like Coach Dudley just mentioned, Lord, with, with all this football that we're talking about, uh, seven on seven and tackle camps or padded camps, whatever they're called, Lord, I, I just pray for safety. The boys will be safe, Lord. The, the, the last thing that any coach wants is one of their players to get hurt and not be able to play in, in, uh, in real football season, uh, Lord, because that's what they love and they dream about, Lord. And I just pray that you keep everybody safe. Give coaches wisdom and discernment, Lord, to, to, know, when to know when enough is enough. And uh, we just pray you bless our steps. In Jesus' name, amen. Appreciate it, Coach. Amen.
1: Amen. Thanks, fellas.
0: Yes, sir.
3: Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. For you, we live for you. Holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside. upon